Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders, sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum ABM. Welcome to today's episode of Account-Based Marketing. Today, I'm joined by Andrea Clatworthy, Head of Account-Based Marketing at Fujitsu, an all-round evangelist for ABM. Welcome. Thank you very much. Good to have you here. We we share two passions, uh, account-based marketing, obviously, mm-hmm. and interior design. Absolutely. But today's episode is all about uh, account-based marketing and how it's moving from an island to becoming the way marketing is done mm-hmm. and becoming business as usual. Andrew, where did account-based marketing sit within Fujitsu when, when you first started? Well, it didn't really sit anywhere. Okay. It kind of didn't have any ownership because it wasn't a thing that right. we did in a defined way. You started in 2010? Yeah, uh, 2011. 11. Yeah. Um, we kind of did do some ABM on okay. a very ad hoc basis, but it was really mostly driven by what the account manager wanted. Right. So there'll be an ask. Okay. Can we have an event? Can we have this? Can we have that? Got it. So this, the sellers would come to marketing and say, yeah. can you do this can, for me yeah. on my account? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it wasn't really insight-led. Yeah. It was more marcoms orientated. Okay. So quite informal, that dynamic of the seller coming to marketing with the ask. Yeah, can I have this, please? So there was no methodology, no standardised way of doing it um, and and no infrastructure to enable, you know, something that really made sense. And how many accounts were you working on at the time? At that, was that uh, just tactical? Tactical, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. No no list of accounts at all. Yeah. Yeah. And where is it now? Fast well, forward. Well, fast forward. So it's evolved for us quite significantly over the last five years, yeah. in fact. So now we have a centre of excellence, wow. which yeah. I run. Um, and everyone in field marketing across EMEA has ABM and DBM, deal-based marketing, yeah. which is an extension of, AB, of account-based marketing as part of their role. Got it. So they dual role. How many marketers is that? Yeah, it's about 48. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah pr- pretty, pretty good. Um, and for some of those people, they buddy on the count. Some of them yeah. have one, and in rare occasions, they'll have two, but they'll be in the same sector. Mm-hmm. So you've got some commonality of, of thinking and, yeah. and market understanding, okay. et cetera. So that's a huge transition mm. over six years, particularly for an organisation, the scale of Fujitsu. Um, sounds like a lot of culture change yeah. and the way marketing are operating, shifting from that tactical, let's do this for sales, to a centre of excellence over 40, did you say 48 marketeers working yeah, on, on yeah. ABM. How many accounts are you covering as part of your programme? It kind of flexes year okay. on year. So every year we yeah. go through a process of selecting the accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we started, we had 58. And then we yeah. reduced that down because that was a silly number. Um, and, and we ramp up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we flex. We have a core number of 39 in the, okay. for a mayor this year. Last year it was 54. Mm-hmm. But some of those 54 are really DBM. Right. And we differentiate those okay. because ABM is when you're developing the account over time. Mm-hmm. And it could be a two, three year thing. Yeah. And DBM is when you've got a specific opportunity mm-hmm. that you're working on. You're jumping in to work on an opportunity yeah. or deal. Got yeah. it. So, Andrew, thinking about that journey over the last five or six years, what really helped enable you to get to a place where all of your marketeers are working on accounts? Great question. And it's not just one thing, okay. actually. So it's, it's been over, you know, five or six years, so quite a, quite a length of time. And, and essentially, it comes down to the fact that it works. ABM works. We found that account managers really wanted ABM on their account. They were asking for it. Um, and actually, some of them were a bit put out if we didn't put them on the programme for, for the following year because we refresh yeah. the list every year. 
And now it's become a core part of the account planning process. Um, it, it's in their account plans, it's part of the review process, um, that there's space for it and it's expected to be there. So it's been an evolution over that period of time. Um, so it doesn't really answer your question, but to answer your question, it's because it works. Yeah, got it. So huge demand from the sales mm -hmm. org. It's now part of the framework of the mm -hmm. way you do account planning. Yep. Talk me through the shift in marketing culture. So how has the marketing organisation changed mm -hmm. as you've adopted more account-based marketing? So if I reflect back, um, when I first rolled out ABM uh, in my organisation, I did something which was actually a bit bonkers, if you think okay. about it now. <laughs> <laughs> you do lots of bonkers things, Andrea. That's what makes you so amazing. <laughs> this was way out there. Yeah, OK. Um, so I started off in the UK and I decided that this was what we were going to do, so a core change to what marketing did to support the business. So we rolled out account-based marketing to 58 accounts. And that was because we had 58 people in the marketing team. So we stopped doing lots of things to give them the headspace, the bandwidth to take on account-based marketing. And we trained everybody. Everybody had two-day training course with ITSMA. Uh, we produced how-to guides and the buddy groups and all sorts of really supportive things to enable those 58 people to do ABM. Now, I say it's bonkers because actually, uh, why would you do that? You know, you, st you start small and build up, don't you? You don't start massive. And, and just, and just <laughs> you, you had the vision and you went for it. <laughs> yeah. But what, what that gave us, even though we dropped some accounts and some people weren't ABM-shaped, mm -hmm. um, it meant that everybody um, had been through the training, they'd had an account, so they knew what it was. They knew what ABM was all about, and they could relate that to their day job. So the data guy knew what he could do to help his fellow ABMers. Um, the PR guy could do the same. If somebody was creating a piece of collateral, they could think about, how do I make this work for my ABM colleagues? If somebody was putting on an event or an activity, they could, again, plan that in. How does this work for a specific account yeah. and make it really easy to do? So, so, so that was the culture change. It was yeah. everybody appreciating what ABM was, how to do it, and how they could incorporate it into their day job. And really creating that customer first mindset within Abs marketing. Absolutely. That think, customer obsession yeah. thing, you know, so people were proud. I've got an yeah. ABM, my customer's doing this and I've yeah. done this. I think so often marketing is done in a dark room, right? We plan a big event, you plan a big campaign mm. and then you launch it to market, gets a 3% response rate, you pat yourself on the back and move on to the next thing. But the great thing about having an account is you can really see the impact at the customer level and, yep. and dive into what's going on in your market. A absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the ABM has became part of the accounting. Yeah. So that fostered that sales and marketing working really closely okay. together. And I think that's part of the culture shift as well. Yeah. And by, and by doing that, we managed to reposition mm -hmm. marketing from the three Ps, pens, PowerPoints and parties, into actually <laughs> something a bit more strategic, really yeah. adding value, bringing the customer insight into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And Andrea, in terms of the rest of the marketing org and the work that they were doing, has, has that completely gone away and they're just focused on these um, 48 accounts? No, absolutely not. So our ABM is uh, dual role. So they, right. all, they all have a field marketing role. Okay. And they vary. So some will be sector marketing, some will be uh, event driven. Mm -hmm. they, they all have another role as yeah. well. And that's really important, I think, because it's really easy to go completely native with an account mm -hmm. team. And that's not yeah. what we want. We still want our ABMers to be part of the marketing community. Mm -hmm. Because when you're, when you're planning your ABM activity, your account plan, 
you, you want to make sure that you're using what else is there across the marketing activity landscape so that you're not bespoking everything all the yeah. time. You're making good use of whatever events are coming through, whatever the corporate activities mm -hmm. are. Other content, reusing content is a strong thing to do. Yeah. I think certainly orchestrating existing mm. work that you're doing in marketing around accounts is a, is a brilliant way of mm. driving impact and um, activity into an account that moves the needle. Um, thinking about the dynamics between the work the marketeers are doing and, and the accounts, are the accounts still mini islands for the marketeers? Or if, if I'm running an FS industry and I work for you and I have the Barclays account, what does my day-to-day -day life look like? Mm, well, it varies because obviously everything in marketing does, but, but they're linked in together. So the learning from the ABM activity um, influences and becomes part of the sector activity. Got it. And the two go hand in hand. And that's really important because it, um, if you think uh, back to ABM is insight-led, then actually good marketing is insight-led. So if you're doing good marketing on an account, then we take, we're taking those principles and using them into our sector-based activity mm -hmm. and planning and thinking too. Yeah. And with that insight, we've seen it so many times that when you go from sector level insights, fairly macro banking, talk, we talk a lot about digitization. But then when you look at the individual account level, you start to see some of the real nuances and those macro trends become uh, real. What other outcomes have you seen, Andrea, from embedding ABM in the rest of your marketing? What surprised me most, actually, mm -hmm. is the very quick adoption of the terminology. Okay. So using customer language became a thing that we talked about. Using the term ABM was a thing that um, was not only adopted within the marketing community and function, but across the sales and business development function as well. Sales and account managers and bid managers, because I mentioned DBM earlier, were asking for ABM and they were using that term. They weren't asking for marketing support, they were asking for ABM. Right. So it very quickly became a phrase that people understood and that people knew. How do you protect marketeers and the time um, they're spending working on accounts versus their getting distracted with other things that are coming at them? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay. People are empowered to, to split their work um, and, and add value where they see it, it making the most impact. So we let them decide themselves. Yeah. And do you find that the accounts are still getting as much attention as, as they were when ABM was that island? You had that separate um, set up? Yes, because actually we found um, a natural flow. Okay. And actually, that's a really good point. So what we've seen as we've evolved this is, um, so worth saying, we probably didn't say this at the start, that the type of ABM that we do is that one-to-one -one strategic ABM, mm -hmm. um, which is why we've got a defined list of accounts. But what we've seen over time is that for some accounts, they don't need that full one-to-one -one strategic uh, piece. They don't need that big piece of planning at the start. What they need and is of absolutely value is um, a, a light touch. So some, some Marcoms, now and then, mm -hmm. um, but insight-led. So right. we're still keeping the insight-led piece, okay. but we're not necessarily doing the big piece of planning right. up, up, up front. And that means that people, ABMers, are able to flex yeah. more easily their workload. 
Okay. So they're not heavy pieces of work at the beginning. This is always on agile and really about orchestrating touch points that mean Fujitsu become relevant to that customer at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you raise a good point there about being agile. So, you know, that, that's, that's absolutely how we work. But it, what's interesting, and I think this is something to tackle for the future, um, is how we juggle the need to be agile with the need to still remain strategic. Yeah. So, Andrew, you've shifted um, the, the role of account-based marketing significantly over the last six years. What obstacles have you faced along the way? Well, I think, actually, we missed a trick uh, at the start of our journey um, with not training or enabling, as well as we could have done, all of our sales and account people. Okay. So, we, we focused on our marketing people um, and, then, and then thought, oh, we've missed out this whole audience. So if I was to start again, I would absolutely train them mm-hmm. at the same time as I trained marketing people. Um, you know, not necessarily to the same depth, but they absolutely need to understand, yeah. you know, the core essence of it and what it means uh, um, and, and some of the methodology that we're going through so that they can link into that. And was that part of getting them on the same page, do you yeah, think? Yeah, 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 very much so. So as we've evolved, um, I, I do it now, obviously, yeah. and I've got e-learnings, especially for them and all sorts of things. Um, and actually, our ABMers now are more than capable of mm-hmm. educating their account um, managers, which which you, w- you would expect. Is it harder or easier to get buy-in now you've embedded ABM into the marketing org um, versus some of the tactical work that was going on previously? Oh, it's, it's really easy. The, okay. the, the, the challenge is um, uh, being, remaining focused mm-hmm. um, and not trying to do everything for everyone. Yeah. So it's that prioritisation piece. Um, and to help us do that, we work really closely with sales. So we're in full agreement on which accounts we're providing ABM mm-hmm. on and which accounts we're not. Um, I read somewhere, Andrea, that your marketing team has completely stopped all lead generation. When I initially rolled out ABM to those 58 accounts in the UK with the 58 people, the thing we stopped doing to give people bandwidth and headspace was lead gen. Got it. And no one noticed. Wow. Thinking about where ABM is today in Fujitsu, how has it affected the perception of marketing? Do you know, it's enabled us to reset um, our positioning. So now the marketeers are viewed as um, a key part of the account team. We're viewed much more strategically, um, which, is, which is where marketing should be. You know, we should be driving the direction of the, of the organisation. Um, and it's enabled us to do that. And it's a, it's, it's a really, um, well, I think we should be really proud that we've done that. Yeah, that's a huge achievement. And with many of our clients, they're tech organisations, either vendors or service businesses, and they're hugely sales-led businesses. And that marketing is seen as that secondary um, department there to serve sales as opposed to side by side with the account managers. So huge shift. Well done. Yeah, thank you very much. Well done, our people. Yeah, yeah. yeah it wasn't just me. <laughs> Any advice to organisations looking to embed ABM across their marketing org? What are your top tips? So first, I think, is to recognise that true ABM is insight-led. So insight about that customer that you're that, that you're nurturing or you're pros, you know prospecting to. Uh, personally, I, I find it um, more effective, um, easier to add value when it's an existing customer right. from the experiences that we've had. But it doesn't have to be. So knowing what's going on in their world mm-hmm. uh, is, is really important, and what they're doing about it. Yeah. Um, and who's doing it? You've got to remember that a customer is made up of uh, human beings, not yep. machines. So so we should treat them as individual human beings. 
So if you're thinking about doing strategic one-to-one, which, mm-hmm. which is the thing that I do, um, and actually it's the most resource-intensive type of ABM, yeah. but, um, and studies show, and ITSMA have got some good stats on this, and B2B marketing, et cetera, um, it has the highest return on investment. So, you know, if, that, if that's what you're looking for, then it, it's worth putting the effort in. So I think the second is, uh, if you're starting out, is to select just a small number of accounts. Don't do what I did. Don't, <laughs> don't start. start with the full 58. Don't start yeah. with 58. That's, that, you know, uh, that's just bonkers, as I said before. So select a small number of accounts to use as a pilot. And um, things to think about when selecting those accounts, as, as I touched on earlier, is, is uh, finding accounts with account managers or account teams or sales teams that, that really will appreciate your help. So trying to do it as a standalone thing just absolutely doesn't work. They've got to want ABM, so educate them what it is. You know, they might already know. Um, and as you say, where you see key account managers already practically doing it, adding to that, adding that structure, that methodology, and the creativity mm-hmm. um, and the Marcoms element really can make a difference. So if there isn't anybody in your organisation that, that wants ABM, don't do it. You're just going to be wasting your time and effort. Um, Sales and marketing really need to work together on this. Yeah, it all comes down to alignment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that collaborative co-creation, whatever phrase you want to use, it's fundamental to making ABM work. What do you think stops organisations applying ABM principles across their, their marketing? I don't know. I think they're daft if they don't apply ABM principles. ABM principles are just really good marketing, Yeah, in, in, in my opinion. Um, and, you know... Focusing on the customer, being customer obsessed, understanding what's going on in their world and mapping what you've got in your portfolio to them just makes business sense. Mm -hmm. I think with lots of marketing tech, we have taken our eye off. Um, We've been pushing out campaigns, as you say, to get those click throughs, to get those engagement scores. Um, And it has always been about growing and and scaling revenue. That's the role of marketing. Absolutely. Um, And to service our customers profitably, right? Yeah, absolutely. As somebody once famously said. (laughs) (laughs) Andrea, I read a serious report recently about measurement, and that's one of the biggest things that holds ABM programs back. Um, how are you uh, measuring ABM? Oh, that's a great question. It's, it's always the, the thing, isn't it? How do you measure marketing? I think that as digital marketing and MarTech have become more prevalent, as a profession, we've become absolutely obsessed with measuring clicks and impressions and likes and things that actually are not hugely helpful. Um, and leads and MQLs and SQLs, which are, are a bit more um, um, helpful. And, you, you know, attribution, obviously, is, is something that we shouldn't ignore. So we've taken our eye off the aim. We've measured what's easy to measure rather than measuring what is important. That's about creating a really good environment in which to, in which to sell and in which our customers want to buy from us. That's what our sales colleagues want. And, and it's especially true in the environment in which I work, which is a really complex selling process, mm-hmm. long sales cycle, multiple decision makers in a decision making unit. So, you know, let's remember that people are buying from people um, and, and we need to reflect that in, in, a, in the marketing that we do. So, so what do we measure? So we, me- yeah. we measure the three R's, we call them relationships, reputation and revenue. Now, some of that revenue will be about um, influence pipe, but some of it will be around speed of revenue. Right, accelerating that time to yeah, pipe and the deal coming in. Yeah, Got it. yeah, but you can't ignore the relationships and reputation bit. 
Yeah. I think when you break down a complex or enterprise sell, having two or three clicks at the beginning of that cycle or during that cycle doesn't really mean very much. Um, so getting aligned, particularly with the sales org, on what, what the intention is, where we're trying to take the account is critical. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, especially in services, B2B marketing, it's all about sales and marketing working, working together and sales um, and marketing supporting the sales aim. Yeah. I always um, think back to the CMO who told me this story of him sitting around the boardroom table and going, we've done brilliantly. Our response rates are up. Everything's great. And the sales leader going, well, we still missed our quarterly number. So that complete misalignment of, of metrics. With organisations of scale of Fujitsu, where they have really large sales teams, really large marketing teams, is that creating a bigger misalignment or delta between between their worlds? It doesn't in our organisation, I can't speak for others, because although um, on paper there could be a lot of salespeople, in reality they're, they're, they're split up by geography or by sector or, or there's, there's some way of focusing them mm-hmm. and a smaller part of the market essentially or your portfolio um, and marketing can map to that really, yeah. really sensibly. Um, and actually that's a good point around back to the account selection thing. If, if you're the customer that you, you're thinking of piloting on already takes all of your portfolio, then then don't market more to them because yeah. you're, you're not going to grow them. That's a defend ABM, which is a whole mm-hmm. different approach. So, so look for customers where they buy some of your portfolio already and where you've identified that you can help them more yeah. if they buy some more stuff from you. Any other tips, Andrea? So the third thing, um, and I mean, this is obvious really, it's about making sure you've got the resource, the ABMers, um, and they're human beings as well. So you can train them, you can hire them. Um, each approach absolutely has its pros and cons. So you've got to work out which is best for mm-hmm. your business um, and, and, and which is going to be best for your longer term strategy as well. And my fourth one, fourth but you know, um, still very important, is about agreeing who's going to foot the bill. When we first started ABM, um, I had sales fund that any ABM spend. Okay. So I supplied the people, the resource, the ABMers, and I trained yep. them, etc. Um, and they, but they supplied the accounts, supplied the pound notes, anything, the money that was going out the door. And actually, through that approach, it ensured complete buy-in, that complete sales mm-hmm. and marketing working together. They've got some skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, if I think back, that probably explains why we ha- we saw success relatively quickly. Because the because that skin was in the game and, and yeah. yeah and the you know joint plans etc joint activity this wasn't just something marketing were doing no no as a campaign yeah and that spend bit actually you don't need to spend a huge amount of money um, to get some really good returns you can you can reuse and repurpose existing content um, uh, and assets and activities you can do stuff that that is completely free if you think about for example. Um, if you create a, a case study, a customer story, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, um, with your customer. Um, so there's a whole lot of comms you've got to do and collaboration with your customer to do that. And then the sign-off process means that that case study, that written piece or video piece has got to go for sign-off. So more people are seeing um, and reading and consuming the success you've had. Yeah, That doesn't cost anything. At the other end of the scale, you can 
hyper-personalise and tailor activity to really ensure relevance. Um, and, there, and there's value in doing that, especially if, for instance, if you've got to reposition yourself. So if the customer um, only knows you for part of your portfolio and you need to do something completely different, then you could go all out and create a whole new look and feel and all sorts of things. And that costs a lot of money. So there are two ends of the scale mm-hmm. to ABM. So it doesn't have to cost a lot of money or you can chuck hundreds of thousands of pounds at a specific account. Yeah. It comes down to... Um, uh, what share of wallet you're expecting um, and your average deal size and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. To determine how much investment you yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to have a okay. good ROI, haven't you? Otherwise, um, why would you do it? And Andrea, how are your marketing team using MarTech as part of your programmes? Well, we quite, we've done all this without MarTech, Okay, really. I think if we were doing programmatic mm-hmm. ABM, then MarTech absolutely would be something that you need you, you need a way of, of gathering that insight and, and triggering things uh, of putting people on a nurture stream all that stuff but because we're doing the strategic stuff in accounts that we already know then we don't need a ton of martech yeah got it so andrea account-based marketing is now business as usual at fujitsu what are the big successes you've seen along the way Oh, great question. So, that, I mean, there's loads, right? And we could talk for hours on this. But just let me pick out a few things. I'll say the first one is not about what we've done for customers, but about how we've adopted this um, uh, as business as usual. Um, and, and I see, so our, our heads of countries and our heads of industries are now doing the ABM reporting rather than me having to gather it and do it. So it's something that is in everyone's KPIs. Brilliant. Not just mine which is great because it's absolutely acknowledged um, that that's part of how we operate. Um, and the and shared metrics as well. Yeah, You're not reporting on something separate or different. A- absolutely. And um, and the industry owners were saying, yeah, oh, you know, 70, 70% of my stuff's coming from my ABM accounts. So, you know, they're using that word, my, yeah. which is terrific. And we're seeing some really excellent reuse of thinking um, and assets. Now, it, it's the thinking bit that gets me most excited because when somebody's put uh, a lot of thought into creating the right value proposition for a customer and the right messaging uh, and, and therefore the right Marcoms off the back of it, when they see a very similar set of imperatives and initiatives mm-hmm. with a, with another customer, um, perhaps in the same sector, but not necessarily, okay. Um, they're able to translate and take, actually, I've done this before for this customer and it works. So they're able to take it, repurpose it and reuse it. And that's really powerful because that shows a level of confidence that people are really understanding what they're doing. Um, it, it means that we're reducing our, our cost to do ABM because we're not having to go through that process. And it's mm-hmm. a, most of it's a time thing rather than a pound notes thing. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's just really powerful. And a huge amount of customer centricity as well. You're thinking about what's going to get cut through, what is relevant and meaningful to this customer, as opposed to here, here are some campaigns we want to land into the market. Yeah, absolutely. The, the other uh, indicator, if you like, is that our customer advocacy has improved. Okay. Um, which is always part of your ABM thinking, um, but it's a softer metric normally because you know we're thinking more about you know how are we improving our revenue position. Um, but we're thinking about the other two R's, the relationship R especially, then the customer advocacy piece is really interesting. Um, and, and where we're finding customers are very happy to share their story yeah. with our other customers. 
Um, it's lovely. Um, as part of the work that you're doing on these ABM accounts, you're winning over those advocates, aren't you? You're not just selling and marketing to them. You're joining the dots. You're communicating that value exchange of here's the value that Fujitsu can bring to your business and the journey that you're on. Absolutely. Spot on. So, Andrew, it's been a huge journey over the last six years. Let's fast forward the next six years. What will uh, account-based marketing and marketing in general look like at Fujitsu? Oh, well, I'm not sure about at Fujitsu, but generally... Well, I wish I had a crystal ball, right, first thing. Um, but I think there's got to be something around how we're using technologies like artificial intelligence and quantum computing. Um, there's got to be uh, something in that that is going to influence what we do and how we do it. I don't quite know what the answer is. Uh, I know there's some very clever people at Fujitsu trying to work it out. Um, but that's where it's going to go for me. So I think we're going to see more tech, not mm-hmm. necessarily martech, playing quite a big role in what we do. Now, there's a danger in that because actually um, I think great ABMers are great uh, people, yeah. not machines. So we need to still nurture our, our talent um, through the ranks, if you like, using some core marketing principles, not just being able to use the technology. So we're going to have to strike a balance. Yeah, I think we are. Interesting times. But by then, we'll both be doing interior design, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant andrea we could talk about this for hours quite literally thanks so much for joining us this afternoon today we're giving away a copy of a classic book the one-to-one future by don peppers and martha rogers to enter join the conversation on twitter at momentum abm using the hashtag abm podcast and we'll pick a winner this podcast is brought to you by momentum abm the account-based marketing consultancy transforming how sales and marketing teams grow their biggest customers you can learn more at MomentumABM.com